0: Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their twenties, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I am host and Burns, while my counterpart is Avon Morris. How's it going, man?
1: It's going pretty good, bro. How's everything?
0: It's going really good, man. And uh, for tonight, we're joined by a special guest for the first half, um, Ricky Coy, a good friend of mine, and um, a really good friend of the show. Has been on countless times in the past, but uh, thank you so much for being back on, man. Dude, it's my pleasure. Always happy to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, for the first half, we're going to get into a, a few uh, NFL topics and some NBA ones, all obviously recapping uh, Super Bowl in the second half. We're going to do some album reviews, but to start off with just thoughts on the Rams Super Bowl win in Cincinnati, just you know, not finding a way to send it into overtime. Um, the Rams were able to pull this uh, win off 23 to 20 during the winning series. Uh, the game MVP Cooper Cup beat Eli Apple in the right corner of the end zone for the winning score. Um, Cup also had four receptions for 39 yards and a seven yard run on fourth and one. From the rams 30 on the championship drive and um the Bengals who were penalized just the, the second fewest times for the fewest yards in the regular season um really flags hurt them you know kind of later in the game burrow was 22 of 33 for 263 yards and a touchdown and um especially with the pressure that aaron Donald was facing that ended up being the decider the deciding part of the game but to you ricky to start it off like what were some of your takeaways from this rams win and what kind of decided the Super Bowl
2: overall? Man, it's just it's such a shame because I think the real difference in this game is the Bengals' offensive line imploded. Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players of our generation and perhaps of all time. Mm. First three and a half quarters, nada, nothing. He had a couple of pressures, but the offensive line did a wonderful job of double teaming him, cheating over and just not letting them completely destroy Joe Burrow's pocket. And then all of a sudden, you know, fourth quarter on Donald just was able to do whatever he wanted. And to me, it's such a shame because I feel like if Joe Burrow had the protection, the Bengals would have won the game.
0: Yeah, it it definitely does feel that way. And to you, Savon, like looking back at this Bengals team and like the run they were able to go on, obviously, like they they have this massive comeback against the Chiefs. They 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 went on the road against Tennessee. And we we've seen Burrow under duress so many times. And this was even, you know, uh almost the same amount of times it was against Tennessee. Like to you, kind of like what were your takeaways from this, from the Super Bowl and just the struggles Cincinnati's offensive line uh, had?
1: It's going to be an interesting season next year, uh, especially for both yeah. teams. For Bengals, they have a lot to look forward to, but they have a lot of mistakes they need to uh, adjust to, especially in the secondary. And most obvious is the offensive line. But outside of them not being able to protect uh, Joe Burrow, it's the penalties that took them the fighting, the punching, the doing the unnecessary things that set your team back. I think. Even with those mishaps of not blocking, you look at the entire season, this is the same starting five offensive line they had in the beginning of the season now to the end. So we already knew what we were going to get from them. It was just the minor mistakes they've done in the Super Bowl, like the the penalties. They had like four or five penalties late in the, late in the game that cost them as well. Um, but yep. you look at what Aaron Donald was able to do out, outside of not getting a sack. He allowed his his teammates to get the pressure. Von Miller, um, uh, uh, Floyd. Uh, the list goes on. These guys being able to 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 get to the ball. But it came down to the wire. I, I still think the Bengals had an opportunity. The run game was working late in the game. They got away from a little bit because the run style was getting um was was pretty good with the Rams. But it's just at the end of the, at the end of the game, Aaron Donald showed. His endurance and his ability to make big plays when they need them the most. All that money for that defense paid off. They got a Super Bowl. So, man, mm-hmm. interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, like, like that's another thing because one of the the biggest conversations afterwards was was Cooper Cup the right pick for the Super Bowl MVP? And first, when you look at Cup's case, you know, he had eight catches on 10 targets for 92 yards and then two touchdowns, including the game winning points. And then obviously for Aaron Donald. Two sacks and three big hits on Burrow, and there were just so many points of the game where you can point to Donald being the reason for LA's comeback. But to, to you, Ricky, like in terms of looking back at who won the Super Bowl MVP, like do you feel as though it should have
2: actually been Aaron Donald? Um, here's the thing. MVP and Super Bowl MVP is increasingly becoming a quarterback only award. Right. So I'm actually kind of glad they gave it to someone who wasn't a quarterback. Um
0: <laughs> Yeah, definitely.
2: I think Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald both deserved it. I wish there was, like, an offensive Super Bowl MVP and a defensive Super Bowl MVP because, honestly, they both deserved it. But if you put a gun to my head and you said, Ricky, you have to choose one person, I'd I'd have to go with Cup because for that game-winning drive... drive, That game-winning drive was just crucial. It wasn't everybody. No, no. It was Cooper Cup just getting open. It didn't didn't matter if they bracketed him. It didn't matter if they had their best corner on him. It it didn't matter what they did. Cooper Cup just found a way to get open and to make really difficult catches. So I think he deserved the MVP a little bit more than Donald, even though Donald played really, really good, especially for the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. Because like, the, that that drive, that was Stafford just completely trusting in Cup. I mean, obviously, like, they don't have Odell. They didn't have Higby. Cup was the guy, like, the go-to guy, and he always stepped up. Even against the Tampa Bay game, um, he was able to find a way to, to, to close the deal. Like, But to you, Savon, like, what were your thoughts on the Super Bowl MVP and who you felt was so deserved it?
1: I thought Aaron Donald should have won the Super Bowl MVP. And I, I get Cooper Cup, that last drive, it was all him. Even a no-look pass by Matthew Stafford right in the middle of the field under a cover two. Perfect pass, keep keeper cup. And then all this, but defense wins championships. Now, if you saw that play, the last play, you saw at multiple angles, before Aaron Donald got there, Jamar Chase was wide open. Wide open. Jalen Ramsey fell down, and he, Jamar Chase was wide open down the field. Now, if he had a, a couple more seconds... That would have been a different Super Bowl. If he was able to lose Aaron Donald, that would be a different Super Bowl. But Aaron Donald being Aaron, knowing that he has this specific move, it's called the, the, the jump, the jump under. So when he gets off the ball, he angles his body and he jumps and then goes under because he's six foot, he's quick, he's strong, so he can do the move. He did it a couple of times when they were on the five-yard line, and he got the sack. The game would have been a different story because we all know Joe Burrow is not scared to throw the deep ball. Now, if he had the opportunity to do so, the Super Bowl would have been the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why I believe Aaron Donald should have won a Super Bowl. I mean, Super Bowl MVP, hands down. He saved the last play because everybody else was blocked besides Aaron Donald. So, I mean, Cooper Cup did yeah. his same, but I think Aaron Donald deserved the MVP. Man, I mean... You look at what he did for, through the uh, all four quarters. I retire. Yeah, yeah, and that's what—that's the beauty of it. He's <laughs> done <crazy>.
0: everything else. <laughs> now he can retire. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, like, obviously, like the 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 next question is because, like, Cincinnati, like, this is extremely an extremely young team. Um, but obviously, for Burrow to have a long standing career, they need to like fix their offensive line. And then the Rams—they went for like a all all-in win now type of mode. Like to you, Ricky, like which team do you think? has a better chance of being Super Bowl next year because Cincinnati they're in a a loaded AFC with so many elite young quarterbacks and then the Rams there's questions about who actually kind of return it and be there to to repeat.
2: Yeah did you see at the Super Bowl parade the Rams GM had a very interesting t-shirt on about draft picks and how he Mm. didn't care putting it in a nice way that won't get you guys demonetized. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think that attitude towards draft picks is going to come back and bite the Rams. I I really do. Because, you know, like Stephon said, Aaron Donald did step up in the key moments. So did Cooper Cup. But NFL stands for not for long. (laughs) And both these guys are in there. Well, not quite the twilight of their careers, but they're getting up there in age. Matt Stafford, same with him. And don't even get me started on Whitworth, who played really, really good at left tackle for the Super Bowl. He's older than 40. So and they don't have much cap flexibility to fix this in free agency. So I think all the deferring and kicking the can down the road is going to come back and bite the Rams. They they need some young talent and they're not going to be able to get it for a couple more seasons. I mean, when's the next time they have a first-round draft pick? <laughs> Does anyone know off the top of their head? Because I, I couldn't tell you. I don't. I couldn't tell you either.
0: <laughs> um, but to, to you, Savon, like looking at, at both of these teams, like which one would you say kind of has a better shot to be back here next season?
1: Both. Absolutely mm, both.
0: Really? You, okay.
1: You, you, I'll start with the Rams. The beauty about getting guys who are seasoned and who knew how to play, you look at Floyd, you look at Bob Miller, you look at Aaron Donald. who's been in the season. Been in the NFL for eight or nine seasons. you look like at have the secondary. They brought Eric Weddle back. He was retired, and now he has a Super Bowl. The beauty about getting veteran, guys, they know how to win. They know how to figure out to win. And we see what Tom Brady was able to do with the Buccaneers and how they retained everybody because everybody bought in. With the new guys, you're going to have to wait a little bit. With the veteran guys, you still have two more years to be able to get get all the rest of the juice out of that can before it's it's, it's completely kicked down the road. I think they have an opportunity to look at the Bengals The young team, yes, they have a lot of question marks with the offensive line in the secondary with Eli Apple just being (laughs) trolled throughout the internet.
0: (laughs) Trolled heavily. Heavily heavily trolled.
1: trolled. (laughs) They made a lot of moves last year with the defense. I think they just need one more move. They'll get they'll have a couple draft picks in the second, third round. I think there will be some safeties and quarterbacks available. There's a young team. Mixon is still young. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all these guys are have great chemistry on and off the football field. They're gonna be back. They're the future of the NFL, along with the Bengals. I mean the Bengals, along with the Bills, along with the City mm. Chiefs. These young guys are taking over the NFL and Chargers as well with Justin Herbert. But I think both teams have an opportunity to get back to the playoffs, get back to the Super Bowl, and finish what they well, in the Bengals retrospect, finish what they started. But both teams, yeah. Even with the old heads, both. even with the young guys, I think both of them have the opportunity.
0: It's back. rare to get a bow from you. It's rare to get a both.
1: You. <laughs> you. I mean, you just look at what they was able to accomplish, man. Yeah, I, I don't true. think Aaron Donald will retire. I think he'll try to get he's another. He's a running game. back. Yeah, he's going to definitely run it back. I think Willworth will run it back. Von Miller is going to come back, obviously. He has two. Floyd is will come back. Eric Weddle will retire, obviously. But they have Jalen Ramsey. So they have a, a complete upside. OBJ will be healthy. So... Cooper Cup will be back. Like, it's, you know, they'll be fine.
0: They'll be Bring fine. the game back. Yeah. Bring the game back together. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I mean, I, and I, the, yeah, go ahead. the question I have is after seeing Jalen Ramsey get burned so many times in the Super Bowl, are you confident he's a CB1 of anymore? Course.
1: Of course. That happens. Yeah. When you're on the highest level and you have a young guy Jamar Chase who, who's, who's an athlete, who's a contender as well, that's going to have you look at what happened with Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey. You know, it's going to be – you're going to have your good days. and Revis had his bad days. Uh, uh, Revis Island. uh, Yeah, Cromartie had his bad days. Patrick Peterson had his bad days. It's football. You're always going to get one up in eventually. But Jalen Ramsey is still high-quality CB1 quarterback. The dude can do everything. He he could cover in a slot. He could be a safety if he wanted to. But he's definitely CB1.
2: Definitely. See, the thing is, though, as talented as Jalen Ramsey is – I have seen it time and time again with these old cornerbacks who were amazing, and then one season comes, and all of a sudden they just completely fell off a cliff. And you he have no idea where their long. skill and talent went.
1: He hasn't been in the league for long. He's been a, he's been four or five years in in the league. Yeah, when he gets to before. like nine non 10 then yeah, mm. he's still he's you can still, accurately yeah, measure that. He's still a guy. Don't get it wrong. Can You look at every other game besides the Super Bowl, yeah, he got caught on, but he also made great plays in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You look at every other game, nobody caught on him, really. Nobody. You can't give me one receiver who had more than 50 yards on Jalen Ramsey throughout the season. It's impossible. So just basing that off one game and he still had a decent game, you can't take from him not being able to be C1 or still being the top. tier. He's still top tier. He's still long, long in his career. He has a long way to be on the top.
0: And, and, and I mean, another thing, especially like w- w- with uh, with a player like Matthew Stafford, who is able to finally get over the hump, win a Super Bowl. Like, how does this kind of change your guys' thoughts on Matthew Stafford's career and and kind of legacy? Because this is something like he's he's been waiting for this opportunity to to have a deep playoff run, and he finally gets it, um, in his first year with the Rams.
1: I mean, you look at what he was able to do with the Lions. Right. I feel like when you when you first you when you finally get the pieces together, you're gonna able to show some of because the first two quarters before uh, Odell Beckham got hurt, the guy I think he was like nine nine for ten, 127 yards, two touchdowns. We all know Matthew Stafford has the heart of the lion. The guy can throw the football. He can do multiple things. But when you See him on a sorry team for so many years; it got you get numb to it. It dilutes his, his abilities, his talent, and then for now he gets to a team that has better pieces and a better opportunity. You see how good of a quarterback he is, since he's always been a good quarterback. Now is he a legend? No, I won't give him that. But I think he's a good quarterback enough not to make it in the Hall of Fame. He's Not a Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, I get ahead of ourselves. I mean, no. Matt Stafford always had the talent and the skill. Um, I think he got consistently better throughout the season with decision-making and just knowing the playbook better. And the Super Bowl was a pretty good game by him. He was up against a pretty young, tough, fast defense, and I thought he handled it really, really well. And I think that he has five, at least five more years of above average to really high-end quarterback play. And I'm excited to see what him and Sean McVay cook up next year.
0: Definitely, and and, and um, dealing kind of like one more headline that has kind of been servicing around the league is obviously Kyler Murray and the Cardinals because you know earlier this month the quarterback kind of fueled rumors of a rift with the organization when he kind of removed all posts on Twitter and Instagram that contained mention of the team. And this past Monday he kind of you know responded that both both sides don't see eye to eye, but he kind of still pledges support for trying to help that team win like to you Ricky like what are your thoughts on Kyler Murray's future with the Cardinals and just where that that team can go because you know they have a disappointing playoff loss but still they showed early signs of potential in the beginning of the season
2: (laughs) oh man this question hurts uh I I know
0: for a Cardinals fan for Cardinals
2: unfortunately I I, 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 I am a Cardinals fan I grew up in Arizona um (laughs) and it's rough because Cardinals are gonna Cardinal Every time they have a good thing going, they just find new inventive ways to shoot themselves in the foot. And uh, I didn't see this coming at all. And now I'm wondering, if Kyler Murray leaves the Cardinals, how good are we going to be? Because we already had questions about Cliff Kingsbury. Because not only did his Cardinals teams fade down the stretch, also his Texas A&M teams in every place that he coached. Sorry, not Texas A&M. Texas Tech, sorry. Texas Yeah, Texas Tech. I meant Texas Tech. Anyway, all his teams start off really, really strong, and then defensive coordinators adjust to his stuff, and he doesn't adjust back. Mm-hmm. So even if Kyler Murray stays, I'm kind of thinking the Cardinals need to get a new head coach in there for them to have sustained success. But if I was Kyler Murray, I'd want out too. I, I don't even blame him.
0: Yeah, and, and, and Savon, to you, like, do you feel as though it's the it's the kind of the same like a like similar feeling that they possibly need to make a coaching change, and that's that may be a reason why Kyler Kyler Murray wants out.
1: I think so. I think that's the the head point because yeah. you look at the type. I know it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a ideal offense for him coming out of college, playing for you know Oklahoma and that gunslinger, and it may allow him to be in the shotgun and move around a little bit. But I think. I think philosophy plays a, a part into that. It's, uh, it's not all about the scheme. It's about the philosophy and how you, how right. you interact with your head coach and your assistant coaches and stuff like that. We see DeAndre Hopkins has his, his woes with Cardinals or two, but he's, he's not as vocal as Kyler Murray, which surprised me. Kyler saying anything, but I think they won't get rid of him, get rid of King, Kingsbury because they have a winning record every season since he's been there. They improved every season they've been there. They made great moves, got J.J. Watt, got you know, some other players, been you know, closer to the playoffs. I don't think they'll get rid of him. And, but I think they'll try to bridge the gap as, as much as they can. I think Kyler Murray is such a selfless player, so he's going he's gonna to play for the sake of his you know, teammates. But something has to change with the Cardinals for him to be able to be completely happy, if that's possible. Yep.
2: And, and another thing because I know a lot about the Cardinals, because unfortunately I watched every game they played this season. A um, couple of wins were really, really close, and they should have blown out some teams. But anyway, um, can Kyler Murray stay healthy for all 17 games? He's he's gotten injured every season. So that's another huge question that's mark. That's a big that question the, mark. That that's the a Cardinals big have to... Cause also, is it Kingsbury not completely changing his schemes when the defensive coordinators adjust for that season? But is it also on Kyler Murray is hobbled? Because you build this yeah. whole offense around Kyler Murray being able to run and get free, easy yards and then slide. And then all of a sudden, he messes up his ankle halfway through the season and he loses that some of that elusiveness, some of that speed and then all those easy yards that you were getting those free yards they go away and the defenses don't have to adjust so much to kyler's legs
0: right yeah i mean and, and that that is another thing cuz like when you look at 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 where that that team can go further uh down the road kyler murray's health is going to be a big a big thing to to decide that and then even with the scheme that kingsbury's putting together if he doesn't have a quarterback of kyler murray's um caliber it's just going to be tough to to even go forward but uh now transitioning to the nba and just thoughts on who has more pressure between simmons and Harden to to have a successful season um both players this past tuesday had their um first introductory news conferences as ben simmons said he's, he's still not ready to play because of unspecified mental health issues but is quote working towards getting back on the floor and then when you look at um james harden and everything that that went on with with uh with with brooklyn and now philly he's yet to pick up his 46.9 and a million player option for next season, but is widely expected to do so this summer. Um, But to you, Ricky, like, what are your initial thoughts of how these new fits could work and which player might have
2: more pressure on them this season? Okay, so I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like Simmons could be a better fit in Brooklyn than Harden in Philly. Definitely. Harden is the better player, but what Brooklyn desperately needed was defense and playmaking. And if Simmons is healthy and mentally right, that's the two things he's best at. But as far as pressure, I think the pressure is way, way... like James Harden must be feeling it right now. Because now he's paired up with Joel Embiid, one of the best big men in in the league, if not the best when he stays healthy. And Embiid has the... 76ers in the playoffs without the second best player on the team for this whole year. So Embiid is already doing it on his own. And now they have this big name player that is, uh, that is going to compliment Embiid. But is he going to live up to the hype? Because the 76ers fans, ownership and coaches, they're probably looking at this and Mm -hmm. thinking we just went from a really good playoff team to a championship team because James Harden is in town.
0: That's the immediate expectation. That's automatic expectation.
2: Automatically. Now, with Brooklyn, there's a completely different sort of pressure, which is interesting because Kevin Durant, like, if you were Kevin Durant, how would you feel? Okay, so you leave Steph Curry, you leave Klay Thompson, you leave Draymond Green, you leave Steve Kerr, you leave one of the most successful GMs in basketball in Golden State, and you go to Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, because of personal views, is not getting vaxxed. It, I'm all for personal freedom. That's fine if he doesn't want to. But he's not playing in half their games. James Harden wants out. So Kevin Durant is looking around. And he's like, well, I have Ben Simmons when I signed up for Kyrie Irving. And James Harden, like so. The pressure I mean Kyrie, was-
0: Kyrie. It was it was originally just Kyrie and KD. Like Harden was the added part of it, but it was the, the nucleus was all, always Kyrie and KD. I feel like that was the original vision. And then Harden was just the rare the unexpected addition to it.
2: But like, if you're Kevin Durant and you're waking up after the trade deadline, after this move gets made, are you thinking maybe it's time to bounce from Brooklyn? I know He's I would be. Bouncing. He's not bouncing.
0: Is this, Savon. What do you think? Like, do you do you think KD might be out of Brooklyn? <laughs> no, nah. He
2: likes Brooklyn too much, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just saying he might be thinking about it.
0: And, and I mean, like, like, and, and and it's an interesting point because obviously, like, how the infrastructure and the th- like the three four year plan of Brooklyn is like this is it's much different than what they were originally expecting. But to you, Savon, like between Simmons and Harden, which one do you think might have more pressure on them this season?
1: Both. Well, hmm. And i You look at is
0: both a keyword for the episode. No, <laughs> no,
1: man. It's just how things are or <laughs> aligning. You look at Ben Simmons, who hasn't played this year. Who's everybody's mm-hmm. wa- waiting for him to play? Waiting for see if his his jump shot got better. Waiting for if he can live up to the hype, live up to the contract that he's asked for, that he's received. Waiting, 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 waiting for all this this hype. He's who has not played yet. When will he play? And he's excited about going to Brooklyn Nets, but when will they see you? Now they have another guy that can't play. Kyrie Irving's is not fully back yet, so now Durant is by himself again. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of pressure right there. And you look at James Harden, who's teaching Joel Embiid the step back, and he gets a travel that I don't understand why he's trying to teach him a step back. <laughs> But I think it's... He's the step-back
0: teacher. He's a <laughs> step-back teacher.
1: There's <laughs> a lot of pressure for James Harden because he still hasn't won a championship. He's been in idle situations with the Rockets, with the Brooklyn Nets, and now with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, with Joel Embiid and a couple other ro- r- rotating guys. Now he's OB back... he 2.0. Yeah, and now he's back to... He can run the 1-2 game without any, any hindrance. He can be himself. And he still hasn't played yet. So I think the pressure is for both of these guys. James Harden needs to win a championship to solidify his legacy. Ben Simmons Absolutely. needs to step up to the legacy, step up to the contract that he asked for. So I think there's pressure on both sides.
2: Mm,
0: definitely. And, and, I mean, not just listening to the Lakers' kind of inactivity during the trade deadline and also thoughts on Anthony Davis' future in L.A., um, looking back at, at where the position was before the deadline, they didn't have many um, trade chips to offer, and Taylor Horton Tucker has had. An extremely um, disappointing year, and Kendrick Nunn hasn't has yet to play this season due to injury. Um, but to you, like Ricky, what are your thoughts on the Lakers' trade inactivity? As there was really nothing substantial that could have taken place, and also, what are your thoughts on the future of, of AD in LA in the next couple of seasons? Because obviously, he had the injury last night against Utah, and there have been con- concerns over his injury history and and how he can be available uh, going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember when you got the notification, we were actually sitting and hanging out. You got the notification that they traded for Anthony Davis, and the Lakers are your favorite team. And Mm -hmm. you were super excited, and I said, I hope it works out for you, man. But when is the last time Anthony Davis finished a whole season with the Pelicans? And you had to go back quite a bit for that. So the Lakers brass needed... They were already aware of his injury history. But I think trading for Russell Westbrook was like... Throwing water on an oil fire, it just made everything worse. Because not that Russell Westbrook is like a washed and completely awful player. He's very talented and in the right circumstances, he can play well. But what the Lakers needed was shooters and depth around LeBron so that when Anthony Davis went out, they could at least have LeBron being the ball handler and have four shooters around him. Because that offense has worked in the past. We all know it will.
0: For sure. Yeah. So
2: I just I hated the move for Russell Westbrook because you got all you traded all your defensive and three point shooting depth for a small point guard who can't shoot and is not good with the ball not in his hands.
0: Yeah, and and, and that's even something that me, me and Savannah have mentioned a lot about just the, the concerns even last summer when they were trying to bring him on uh, of how it with about the issues of the fit, but. To you, Savon, like, in terms of just, like, obviously the, the inactivity of the trade deadline for the Lakers, they, the, LeBron obviously was recruiting Westbrook and then yeah. bringing somebody else in would, would have just, you know, seemed really off. And then now with Anthony, Anthony Davis' injuries, like, how do you feel as though, like, that will go forward in ter- terms of even their offseason of what the future of this team is um, with the, with uh, Davis and LeBron? And
1: stay put. stays put, I think, after this season, Westbrook, they'll deal Westbrook away. I think it was going to be... A uh, uh, relationship divider. If LeBron agreed to get rid of Westbrook then and there, I think it was more of a friendship deal than anything. Because if we're thinking of basketball, it's, it's the it's the logical decision to get rid of Westbrook because he's just sore. He's he's the 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 misfit of the, of the crew. I think eighty stays is just lingering issues of its health and being able to be able to play at a high level. I think he's still. That, that that center that they traded for, who's able to be uh, a force on the front court and the back court, but man, I, I just it, you can't help with injuries. I just saw the injuries, ankle injury. how you said you can't you can't fake that. You can't you can't help that jumping, coming down off a a, a, a just a easy rebound and you twist your ankle yep. or something like that.
2: Yeah, that sucks. I don't blame Anthony Davis, but ugh, he just he goes down so often. I feel so bad for him.
0: Inj- injuries are the most unpredictable part of the game obviously yeah. K- katie's out as well um so it-, it happens sporadically paul george Kawhi, it's just something that that is that that's always kind of been a part of the game and not just to, to, to the celtic kind of current improvement in which team could be a dark horse in the east or even west um in the last few weeks boston has been one of the hottest teams in the league and made a couple moves to bolster its roster by acquiring uh Derek White and daniel tice ahead of the the, the deadline Even in their 48-point win in Philadelphia on Tuesday night, they lost Marcus Smart to a right ankle sprain in the second quarter. Uh, But to you, Ricky, like, what are your thoughts on the Celtics having kind of more success recently? And who in the East or West do you think could possibly be, like, a dark horse in the playoffs?
2: Mm, For the playoffs, that's a completely different beast. Um, But for the Celtics going well now, I like the move. I feel like the chemistry has improved. Um, Right. But as for a Dark Horse, I don't feel like people are talking about the Miami Heat enough. Mm. I I don't know what it is about them, but just watching the Heat play basketball makes me happy. I have no idea why. Like, have you ever just watched a team and you're like, I can't They're really
0: fundamentally sound. They're fundamentally sound.
2: Like, I can't point to like one or two reasons why I think they'll go deep in the playoffs, but I just they make me happy watching them play. Like no small silly mistakes. Everyone is playing together, open shots constantly, driving to get other people open from three point range or hitting layups. They just—I really like Spolstra and how he coaches. And the Heat have some talent too. I mean, they have Lowry, they have Butler. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like they're a the dark horse you know, for the of bio. Heat. Yeah, I, I forgot about Bam. Bam is a wonderful defender. Watching Bam play defense makes me happy too. Like he's really good. I can't believe I forgot Bam. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but 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 to, to you, Slavon, like in terms of the Celtics' current success, and obviously there have been concern, some questions about the duo of Tatum and Brown, how long that needs to to, to stay together. Uh, what have kind of been some of your thoughts on them, and also like who do you possibly think could be a, a dark horse in the in the East or West?
1: I'm waiting for this duo or. Whatever they call it in Boston Celtics to pay off, to be completely honest with you. We, we all man.
0: are. And time is ticking.
1: Yeah, time is ticking, man. You get rid of Rozier. Kyrie leaves. It's just Tatum and Brown again. They have a couple rotation guys come in and out. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of the, oh, the progress. Or are they going to, like, they haven't, it hasn't come to fruition yet. Is Tatum the guy? That's the question. that he, Is Tatum the guy? Is he another James Harden? Is he another Kyrie Irving? Because Kyrie won because of LeBron James. Let's let's be honest.
0: But It's the biggest shot in the game, too. I mean, come on. It's LeBron. No, no, I'm, it's just, I'm joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> LeBron, dude, it was because of LeBron. It was because of LeBron.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, the block shot? Come on. Um, yeah. You, I'm, is I it, yeah. I digress. <laughs> I digress. I digress. I digress. But I'm I'm tired of like waiting for this to come to fruition, and I think they should follow suit. Even though they're they're playing good chemistry basketball, I think they should follow suit. Eventually, break it up. Yes, just how they yeah, Get him out. Just how they did C J with the Blazers. Get him out of there.
2: Hold on, I-, I have a question. I might be wrong on this, but don't they have to pay both of them by next year, or at least one of them?
1: I think it's Brown. Contract. I think one of them. Brown's contract.
2: Yeah. See, like yeah. Tatum and Brown, I just—they're both very talented, but they don't play well together. True. They just their
0: styles don't mesh. Yeah, th- they th- don't. It's never mesh.
2: It's like it's like watching Durant and Westbrook in OKC. Oh, I'm, where not. I'm just like no. banging my head against the wait, wall trying wait. to figure out wait. why the offense is like that. Wait,
1: what? <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> okay, what? that's a hot take. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with that, bro. Nah. <laughs>
2: Westbrook oh, and
1: Durant together, bro, that was a mighty duo. I don't... I mean, dude. they made the
2: finals once.
0: But Tatum and Brown have never been at that level, though. No. Like, oh, Westbrook and Durant were... No. Oh, my goodness. Like, that duo together in their, in their peak was... Yeah,
2: insane. but my my point isn't that Westbrook and Durant are both awful players. They're not. I'm saying they didn't work well together.
1: I, I definitely don't agree with that. You look at the roster they had... <laughs> And you can't, those two guys can't win it all by themselves. They didn't have good rotation players. You can't name one good guy that came off the bench who gave them big buckets, or a guy didn't start five. Steve Adams didn't get good until later. Um, they had Robertson coming, come, and uh, playing the three. He was a three point guy, but other than that, I mean, he was a good wing defender. Wait, other than that, it was
2: mm, but. They had a young James Harden, who was instant offense off the bench. And they had a Ibaka, a very, very good defensive James specialist, Harden at least for a couple of years.
1: He got to the Houston Rockets. Sergi Baka wasn't Sergi Baka until he went to Toronto. We didn't see Sergi Baka. They come weren't to, there fully developed. You know, selves they, weren't developed they weren't developed at that yet. point yet. James Harden mm-hmm. wasn't fully developed. He came off the bench. He was a six man. Mm-hmm. Then he got traded. And then Serge Baka right. didn't come to fruition until he got to Toronto. Then he started shooting and becoming a uh, great defender. Then Steve Addison didn't come to fruition until later. Fruition is the the, the word of the day. Well, it's a, there we go.
2: Okay. You, you <laughs> know what the waiting. You know <laughs> what? I will give you that right. one, actually. They did not have good bench help. But. I will still say that I do not think Westbrook works well with other stars. Uh, See, Westbrook is really good, but he's like Allen Iverson. Who um, did Allen Iverson work really well with? Did Dikembe Montumbo?
1: Eric Schnauer. People who
2: didn't need the ball.
1: Eric (laughs) Schnauer. Let's show some love for Ericsson. Eric Show, <laughs> hey, no, man, Eric Snow is a great of man. He's underrated, bro. Very, very underrated. I'll give you every other team, but I can't give you OKC. I think him and Durant played That's well. Different. They played great basketball, mm-hmm. even when Westbrook took shots he wasn't supposed to shoot.
2: You know <laughs> what? I will agree to disagree with you. You know your basketball, and we'll just disagree on this one, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I'll accept it this <laughs> um, time. But, but but Ricky, thank you so much for being ba- for being back on, man, for for this session. And it's always a pleasure having you on.
2: Oh yeah, of course. Um, if you guys want me back, I'll
0: I'll come on anytime. Talk. When the playoffs come around, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna have another talk.
2: All right, sounds good. I hope you guys have right. a wonderful night.
0: Thank 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 you so much. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with our second half. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into the second half of our topics and we're joined by a first time special guest, um, Isaiah Barthales, uh, a really good friend of mine and first time guest of the show. And thank you so much for being on, man. Uh,
3: Nah, it's a pleasure being on here, man.
0: Definitely. And uh, to start off with our first album review, Babyface Ray's Face. um, And this new project, it features just a plethora of big name features. He pivots between um, solid production and moments of arena-like ambition. It also has just ruthless honesty and voice samples are used throughout to expand on his universe um, to you, Isaiah, to start off, like, kind of like, what were some of your thoughts on this album and, and the newfound pur- purpose he like really expresses in it?
3: Well, i really kind of like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like I don't know if you know the rapper um Money Man. Yeah, yeah, he kind of reminds me of like the he's like the Detroit version of Money Man, where it's kind of like you know he kind of talks the same type of talk like the same motivation. Like you know getting to the bag and everything of how you know he dealt with his past stuff and everything. I really like the unique sound like it's like because nobody I don't think anybody like else in Detroit kind of has like that type of style that he's doing in my opinion at least from what it's I heard from, yeah at least from what I heard from the um the Detroit sound like he brings like a whole different like spin to it if you get what I'm saying Definitely. Um,
0: to, to you, Savon, like, what were some of your initial thoughts on this project and, and kind of some of your takeaways from it?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. He nice. Very nice. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I never listened to his music. I know I listened to Money Man, but I never listened to Babyface Ray. But yeah, he got some nice features. The one with 42 Doug really stood out the most to me. Let Me Down. Steak and Lobster was far. Uh, the one with Whiskey for Cushion Codeine was far
0: overtime was tough yeah overtime, yeah, yeah, overtime,
1: yeah overtime, was was nice. Nice. overtime was nice too but now overall i thought the production was nice the samples and use was nice he's he has a unique sound like he's on the come you up you don't he sound like money man but he still has his, his unique sound as you know you know he don't really sound like nobody he stick out most because oh who who buddy is because you don't know how he sound, you sound know?
0: definitely and, and to you isaiah like in terms of what he has coming forward and just what he does in the coming years. Like like what do you think he can improve on to, to like kind of stay to to kind of like further develop what he's trying to do with his sound and and the message he's getting across?
3: Oh, uh, a big one. I think the delivery kind of needs to be a little bit like worked on a little bit. Maybe it's just cause I'm not from like that area or whatever, but it's kinda like right. it's kind of like a little, like sometimes I you'll find him a little like mumbling a little bit. Even though he got a lot to say, you know what I'm saying? He is nice, but it's kind of like... Sometimes he kind of slipped back into, like, you know... You know, getting back in there, like, talking like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's like... You know what I'm saying? Like, I found out a lot, like, on the first track, My Thoughts. Mm-hmm. My Thoughts 3. And Slash Um, I forgot the... the yeah, Pops Prayer. Uh, Like, he was going... There was times he was going north, and then he just slipped back into, like... uh you know, mumbling. And, you know what I mean? He has a, I just feel like he needs to— There were definitely
0: segments way. of that where he, he kind of went back to that.
3: Yeah, because it was like he's— You know what I'm saying? I, Detroit doesn't really, like, mumble too much like that. You know what I'm saying? It could just be him. You know what I'm saying? This could just be, you know, how you know his style is. But, like, I would like to see a little bit less of that. You feel me? sure. Well, to you, say started.
0: Von? Yeah, definitely. To you, say Von? Like, do you think delivery is maybe something he, he can improve on?
1: I think that's just his sound. To be honest with you, mm. that's how I think that's what makes him stand out. Because you like when we when first listen to G Herbo, he don't rap on the beat, and it kind of like uh, oh, but he tries. <laughs> then you realize he's probably doing that on purpose because it's a different style of his cadence. Now he delivers. But the only thing I always say for him, just continue to stay in your lane. Continue to have your own signature sound in music. If that's how you deliver it, you want have to continue to deliver it that way. You can't be inconsistent on what you do with your music. Because then people, people got to really know you from what you're doing. Like, this is your sound. That's what you're going to do. All right, boom. Like I said, I think last week, the baby has a signature cadence that he does. He does it every song. He, he raps is. on every song before the beat drops. He starts rapping. So that bit turn on. Like, you know what I mean? So we know him for that. So if you want to do that, mm-hmm.
3: you got to be consistent.
0: Thanks. For sure. And now I'll try to think to Adria Kane's uh, When Flowers uh, Bloom um, review and her long-awaited first album after releasing a multitude of singles and EPs um, over the last seven years. Um, you know, she really maintains her roots in soul, R&B, and jazz. J- just the lush, reverberated, chorus-filled guitars settle in show off Kane's uh, broad vocal range but to you um, Isaiah like what are your thoughts on this debut album and just how she sticks to her roots in her soundscape
3: well th- I mean you kind of said it already like mm-hmm. she, you could tell she's really like sticking to her roots with this one For sure. like it's very like it's very soulful you know what I'm saying I still do I still see like you know a little bit like the trap elements coming in like with the thing what's that song I think it I think it was um Garden's Exit, that was I think the last song, like yeah. took the ones I love before. Garden X is the ones I love. Yeah, that's the last yeah. one. Yeah, that one, like that one, I could see she's trying to implement like kind of new, like kind of new styles, at least with the beat selection. Right. You know what I'm saying? She is like, you know, because I like analyzing the voice too. Like I could tell like, you know, she's a kind of like a lower singer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she uses she, she utilizes that well, with the with Definitely. the tracks and everything. I felt like you know it was a it was a it was a smooth listen. I've never heard of her before, really, but like for the first time, this is like a really smooth one.
1: Me neither. I ain't never sure. heard of her either.
3: <laughs> yeah. Say,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so on to you. But kind of like, what were some of your uh, initial initial thoughts on this project? And what kind of stood out in her soundscape?
1: You're gonna to have to take your time and listen to this. He's off the first listen. For you're sure. not gonna vibe with it. I mean, it's gonna it has a nice production. of voice kind of jazz with the music, but it's a different type of style. If you, you're you're used to a certain type of tempo you listen to every day. This one you have to really sit down and enjoy it and try to dissect it. I mean, the one song that really stood out that made it to my library was "Melting to You." <clears throat> Excuse
3: me. Oh yeah, yeah. that I one
1: felt, Yeah. I felt that was like, I don't know, it hit right where it needed to hit. I think it was, it was perfectly set in the album or EP, whatever you want to call this, at number three. I think any other place, I don't think it would have gel well with anything else. I think it, was, it had to be number three, and it stood out the most to me. But I don't know. She, it, was, it was a cool vibe. Like I said, you all have to really sit down and listen to it and try to like, understand what direction she's trying to do with her voice, and all that stuff.
0: Do you think like that's something she's going to that's going to be kind of like one of her trademarks going forward is that her projects are going to be ones that you're going to have to like just settle into? Or do you think like for her debut, she may have been trying to like just kind of figure out what like the, the, the vibe of her album or just the direction of how she wants to take her future albums?
1: I think so, because soul music is kind of taking a twist in a, in a sense, like even mm-hmm. R&B looks R&B looks different.
2: Because yeah. everybody's
1: solely for hip hop and rap, so and, and like pop or whatever. So R and B and soul is kinda taking a different, different shape and form now in this new generation. Cause you know, growing up, you know what I'm saying, I my parents let me listen to the R and B blah blah blah, old school music. So I'm used to the soul, I'm used to the R and B, I'm used to the old heads. But this new generation, they don't really R and B ain't R and B no more. Soul ain't soul no yeah. more, so it's a different form. So she's going to have to really
3: contour herself to the new generation of R&B itself. Yeah, definitely. I, feel, I definitely feel like the same way because it's like, you know what I'm saying? One of my favorite, one of my favorite artists is like in like, in like, I guess R&B right now is like, right, is Bryson Teller. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could tell like, it's very OVO influence if you know what I yeah. mean? like. Very like very like dark, very like, you know, pads and like different like out of this world, like, you know, instruments and all that. You know what I'm saying? Like with her, it's kinda like you gotta with the type of music she's making, it, you're gonna to have to sit down and dissect it regardless. You know what I'm saying? It's kinda like it's kinda like, you know, the same thing with like if you know, you're comparing somebody like, let's say you listening to like Corday. You're not gonna listen to Corday like you listen to like say like a uh, Playboy Cardi. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's two right. completely different lanes. Like I feel like this is it's this is like the origin like that R and B, like true R and B lane. That I feel like old heads would like or like people with like an old soul would like definitely appreciate. They would connect to. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Um, and now just think to, to Fabio foreign uh, with the Felicia Keys and Kanye West, City of God's Review, Um, with Fabio's debut album set to arrive on, on March 25th, the executive produced by Kanye, uh, Fabio continues his streak of just great verses. Um, Alicia Keys still sounded flawless over a drill beat, and Kanye had a, a very engaged verse in which he kind of, you know, seemed passionate again about his lyrical content. But um t- to you, Isaiah, like, what were your initial takeaways of this track and how these three work together?
3: Well, <laughs> you already know how I feel about Fabio, man. You know what I'm saying, like (laughs) Favio, like that—that's that god man. I've seen like because you know what I'm saying. Me being from New York and everything is kind of like I knew I I bumped Favio before, like all the you know big drip and like you know uh, trust and all that before he was on Double XL, and to see him like come fall, you know what I'm saying, like to come fall like and start like mastering his craft because it was kinda like before, like when like like Big Drip came out, it was like, it's like the style, it was hit it was his and like, you know what I'm saying, you you know what I'm saying, original. But it was kinda like it was underdeveloped, if you know what I'm saying. Like, kinda like, you know what I'm saying, like he was speaking in bullet points and everything, and like it was very, like, vibe And now I feel like he's kind of, like, expanding that into, like, different, like, different, I guess, different flows and different techniques, more to say, you feel me? Like, mm-hmm. different flows. Like, with this one especially, like, you could tell he was, he was, like, really rapping, you know what I'm saying? Like, For sure. <laughs> ever since Donda, man, ever since that Donda, like, that verse, man. Off the grid. Off the grid, man. Like, oh, but like, he left like his life depended on it, but
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It was like it was like one of those pressure verses where he was really just giving his all. Um and he was kind of like like putting everybody. Um he was putting he, he was putting like kind of the, the the entire game on the map that he was like <laughs> one of the ones that you had to take notice of. Like, do you feel as though with the energy that he took from that is kind of like some of the things that's fueling him from fueling him to keep putting on like elite verses?
3: Oh yeah, because Ever since then, it's been like uh, it's just been consistent. Like if you if you've listened to his music, like after Donda, after he recorded that Donda verse, like you just see like he's just advanced. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just <coughs> I'm proud to see his. I'm just proud to see like the growth. You know what I'm saying? Especially when, you know what I'm saying when back in the day people was kind of calling him whack. You know what I'm saying for like the new style he was bringing. You know what I'm saying? And he's bringing like a new like switch to like New York, New York drill, you know what I'm saying? Cause you know Definitely. how, you know how it's, it's being looked at now. You feel me? Especially in the city itself. You know what I'm saying they just had, I think they he just sat down with the, um, the mayor of New York and like, right. you feel me? cause they was going to ban drill music altogether. And he just sat That's down. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like,
0: that, and, and and that and that's another thing because like um with Alicia Keys with the hook that 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 she had and then Kanye putting together a verse that I feel as though like for it's been a while since we we've, we've heard Kanye like in a have a focused type of verse like where he really locked in obviously like he's had some 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 great tracks like Don had had a lot of really good tracks but I feel like this was like kind of a more focused verse from him like what were your some of your takeaways from even what he what what, what he delivered because obviously like he has. Uh, you know, potentially Donda 2 coming out next week, which, I mean, you and I both know, like, February 22nd, I doubt it will drop. Lil Dirk will probably drop, but I doubt Kanye will actually drop. Like, what what do you, what were kind of some of your takeaways from his verse, because this, this was a different type of one where he did kind of give some
3: pinpoint lyricism again? I feel like he's got a point to prove this time. I For feel sure. like, like, a lot of people are saying like he's going, he's going back to like old Connie. Like I've seen in the comments, like on YouTube, because I'll be paying attention to comments shoot be like, be "like yo, this is like the first time he's rapped like this since like, since like, 2000 and like before the 2010s." Like, honestly, I feel like he's just—it's like he's trying hard. You know what I'm saying? Like this time, because. You know what I'm saying? Especially with all the public things that's happening right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? He can't afford to put out... He can't... Not afford. He could afford to put out trash. (laughs) But, like, he doesn't want to put out trash. You feel me? And Donda, too, is... You know what I'm saying? Because already Donda... It's it's like... Isn't it Grammy nominated? Yeah.
0: That along with uh, Nas, King's Disease 2, Tyler, the creator, and also (laughs) J. Cole's The Offseason.
3: Yeah. All of that, man. That's a uh, you know what I'm saying. Donda's nominated, bro. You feel me? And to you know to name your album Donda Two, you had to definitely put in that work. You feel me? Mm-hmm. For sure. You gotta put because in because
0: I, I and that's another thing with the whole Donda um, element of it. He he feels as though I'm mean, obviously like that being such a critically acclaimed project. Do you feel as though he felt as though he kind of had to stay in that lane to like put to put to put like almost like a sequel out? Because some people have said like. There possibly might be like you know three Dondas, um, e-, e even like like a third one in, in the next couple of years. Like, do you feel as though he felt like he had to follow that up because of just how much critical success it was getting?
3: I mean, I feel like yeah, he he kind of does.
0: Cause, I mean, he doesn't really have to do. Any, he he doesn't really have to follow up on anything. Like, he can he can switch. He can take a two year hiatus off. He can do a different type of album. He doesn't really have to stick to something.
3: Yeah, but like. Yeah, I mean, but at the same it is kind of like the perfect time to drop music as well because, you know, for sure, you know, Kim just, you know, Kim divorced him and, you know, the Mm -hmm. whole things with Pete Davidson and all that, you feel me? It's kind of like, right now is kind of like the perfect time for him to drop. You feel me? He doesn't need to, but you know what I'm saying? This is a good time to do that, you feel me? Definitely. Um, Yeah.
0: You going. to, to, to you, Savan, in terms of Bob, in terms of this this new single, kind of like some like what were your initial thoughts on it and how these three mesh together?
1: I was surprised that it was a drill beat. I'm not a big fan of drill. I don't care who's on it. It could be Drake, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like I just can't jail with a drill beat. And I've heard Five Year before. I've heard some of his music without the drill. Do fire. But it's just, it took away. I was like, mm, not a big drill beat type of guy. But, I mean, to have two legends on your track, bro, that's big time. Like, I I, I didn't hear Fabio until probably, like, last year. And for him to be, you know, how Kanye West backing him, Alicia Keys on the track, that's big time. But I just wasn't feeling the beat, though. He was spitting, though, but I just didn't feel the beat.
3: Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. You know where I'm from, bro. Yeah, yeah,
1: probably, yeah, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I love the beat
1: man. I made <laughs> you not know,
3: it. I made these beats, bro. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but like, you know what I'm saying? I know I get it cuz you know, I'm guessing you, where you, where you you from the south, right? Yeah, I'm from Florida. Yeah, oh yeah, you from Florida. So it's just like, you know what I'm saying? That's not your that's not really your style. Yeah. Yeah, not so. your niche. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, drill beat yeah, no, nah, nah. That ain't my that ain't my style. Like it just depends on what it, song it is, but most of the time drill beat ain't I don't know, it don't gel with my
3: ears. Yeah, it definitely. Be, it definitely, you know what I'm saying? I felt like, you know what I'm saying? And Elisa Key's delivered with the vocals too. Oh, always. You're saying always. always. Yeah. Like, when is she not? And then it's kind of like, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, I feel like, it, it's kind of like a, like a, I guess a nod to like Jay-Z and like, um, the Elisa, Jay-Z and Elisa Key's, um, the Empire new, State of Mind? Yeah, the Empire State it, of Mind. It,
0: it was giving me flashbacks to that a little. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a different type of track.
3: But. Yeah, it's a different type of track, but like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Talking about, you know, the city of gods. And basically, Favio was describing the whole New York. You feel me? Yeah. He was describing For at sure. least at least Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? So Definitely. it was kind I feel like it was kind of a nod to to that track, just in a new New York way, because... New York is kind of going through a new, a new ever with all this drill. You know what I'm saying? For because mm. for a while, I'm gonna be honest. For a while, we didn't like after like you know what I'm saying. Boom bap started, you know, to die down or whatnot. We didn't really have a sound to really call our own. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. We... And, and
0: and and the interesting and, and and the interesting thing about that is like. in in, in terms of like Fabio kind of being more comfortable with a track like this and like even off the grid had elements of it like do you think that's to you Isaiah like do you feel as though like his album is gonna kind of be like primarily consisted of this or do you feel as though he he may he may try to kind of diversify his sound a little in in, in a couple of tracks because I'm obviously obviously like with with Kanye executive producing it it's gonna have a a certain type of feel
3: to it which one which one Fabio or Kanye Uh, Fabio Fabio yeah I feel like he <laughs> for a while it it kind of seemed like he was really one track minded true like usually he's he's not on like uh any other beat unless he's like you know like on a freestyle or like you know if he's like a a feature <clears throat> but I feel like mm-hmm. this time I feel like he's got to because Definitely. it's like you know what I'm saying the fans want to hear you outside of one. And a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people And that's and, and that's the reason around.
0: I bring it up, because I know fans wanna hear him outside of it.
3: Yeah. Fans wanna hear him outside of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause he could cause he could rap. You feel me? He just needs to experiment with other things. You feel me? Like Pop Smoke mm-hmm. wasn't, you know what I'm saying? After he released the uh Meet the Woo and all that and Dior and everything, he started switching it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying he you know what I'm saying he know drill was his main thing, but he- he Cover these other things, you feel me? That's why That's Pop so. was like big because you know what I'm saying? He had stuff for New York and he has stuff for everybody else. You feel me?
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Think- and, and now just listening to uh to, to JPEG, JPEG Mafia's LP review. Um, this latest album from him from him, as he's one of kind of like the most unique voices in the experimental side of hip hop, has mm-hmm. an element of abrasiveness as it contains just a glitchy lo-fi aesthetic and a hypnotic flow of self-love, but uh, to you, Isaiah, like, what were your initial thoughts on this album and it being a journey? Kind of, you know, focus on his unique artistic
3: output. Man, it's it's like uh... I think I'd had to give it a listen, um, like a listen, a few more times mm-hmm. because I'm not I'm not saying it's bad or nothing. You feel me? It's all of like he's hitting like he's hitting you with all of these different produces. so many pockets, yeah. so many yeah. pockets. <laughs> It's like <laughs> like one minute like it's hitting like hitting you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he's like hitting you everywhere. Like it's like the first song of the album was like mad crazy, and I was yeah. like, yo. <laughs> and then the second one, he just completely switched it up. Like went to a whole different, like lane of it. I'm just like, well, that that's different. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, and I know he's a producer too, so it's like he he makes all of that by himself. Wow. And like. But, like, like you want to talk about actually being different, that's the definition of different. Oh, that's different. Like, yeah, that's different. That that dude is like, gee, it's like, ain't, but you know what I'm saying? He's very unique. And I think For we sure. need more. I think we kind of need more of that in the game, you feel me? We
0: need more artists like that, though.
3: Yeah, we need more artists like that in the game where it's like, you know what I'm saying, people not trying to copy the next man, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Or, like, people, you know what I'm saying, like, he he brings something new to the table, even though it's not something like we probably still got to, you know, get used to over time. You know what I'm saying? I just feel for like... Sure. I just feel like, like... And I know this is his style and everything, because he's versatile. But, like, for, like, I, I guess, a like casual listener or new fan is kind of like... You got it's like you gotta slow yourself down and prepare for the next one. The next track. Definitely. You feel me? To,
0: to you, Savan, like what were some of your initial initial takeaways of it? Cause this was obviously a different type of listen, but one where a lot of pockets are, are being um explored into the
1: exact same thing. Like, <laughs> bro, gave yeah. you so many sides of them. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Oh, that's that's cool. Then like,
3: whoa, like Bro, what was you, you doing you in you the buff studio? Buff you
1: didn't want. Yeah, what was you doing in the studio? Had to be on acid, cocaine, all of the all above. Because bro, it was
3: definitely a put thirty, bro. Yeah, like, sure. Because <laughs> Nemo,
1: he gave us the regular flow, and I definitely agree yes. he's versatile. I was like, okay, Nemo, okay, something normal, something I can buy <laughs> with, something I can ride to, and then the next song in credits is like, bro, what, what's going on, bro? Like, the switch yeah. up is crazy. But no like it's it's not a bad but it's like hip hop and rap need something different. we need something Definitely. different cuz there's a lot of clones in music. A lot of people trying to, you know what I'm saying, trying to be like other people, sound bite, everybody sounding the same. So this is I mean, it's it's cool that he has his own signature sound, but bro, pick a side, bro, pick a side. <laughs> pick something pick a side. Cause I'm yeah. confused, bro. I'm
3: confused. <laughs> <laughs> like I ain't gonna lie, bro. Like he, it just felt like, like it just kind of sound like a, like I know that's like I said, I'm not judging his music or none, but it sound like a personality disorder. It, nah, for real.
1: Like, <laughs> nah, it for real. Really did.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and, and getting into our last album review, Jay Z's The Black Album, and also kind of like. What what our top three favorite uh, J albums are? In um, this project, he's you know settling scores and letting us deeper into his life more than ever. Um, even talks about his parents, even with his mom Gloria Carter being on the opening song December fourth. Um, also has a dream team of producers including Kanye West, Just Blaze, uh, the Neptunes, and Timbaland with the classic "Dirt Off Your Shoulder." Um, to you Isaiah, like looking back at this album's like legacy and where it stands in his catalog. Um, what were some of your takeaways from it, and kind of like what would you say would be kind of your top three favorite J albums? <laughs>
3: it's crazy because like this album was like a like my older brother used to play this album heavy cuz he and Nandi's mm. baby you know what i'm saying so he was a kid you know what i'm saying when when you know what i'm saying when all of this came out and i was you know kind of around like you know what i'm saying like 2007 this came out like 4 years i believe after after the release and it was kind of like even even then i was like i was like bopping my head to this. you know what i'm saying it's all funky and everything you know what I'm saying? Cause Jay-Z, Jay Z and everything, but you gotta understand, like he like this was real life for him, you feel me? Sure. Like yeah. all this I know I not understand all that, you feel me? You know what I'm saying? I group around people, you know what I'm saying, who who, you know, so crack. You know what I'm saying? Like he talks about that a lot, you feel me? And like definitely. you know what I'm saying, like this is this is definitely a classic album. I say, but like, my favorite one. I mean, he had a lot of, you know, ones that good I ones. like like, you know, ninety nine problems, obviously. Cause that was on the album too. Mm-hmm. Uh What more can I say? That one that one was following me. Solid. Changing clothes. Changing clothes yeah. too. Like Pharrell like Pharrell's a different monster, yo. He's different. Yeah, man. I feel like this is you know what I'm saying? This is definitely like this is definitely top three. Yeah. I'll put it at I'll put it at number three though.
0: That's where I have it too.
3: Yeah. It's like about, I got Blueprint one. Yeah, Blueprint at number one. Uh what's the other one? I like Hard Knock Life as well. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Hard Volume, Knock Life. Hard Knock Life. Volume two, Hard Knock Hard Knock Life. Yeah. Uh let me think. American Gangster was one of my favorite ones.
0: That was an underrated album.
3: That was an underrated album. American Gangster was underrated. That's my number two.
0: To, to you, Savon, like, what were some of your takeaways from this project? And also, kind of, like, what would be your top three favorite J albums?
3: 100% hip hop album.
1: The GOAT, one of the GOATs. I can't give him the one GOAT the spot, goats. but he's definitely one of the <laughs> GOATs. Bruh, this was the blueprint, too. Like, if you want to be oh, a top tier hip hop artist, bro, this is what you do. He give you the streets, but he also give you bangers like dirt off your shoulder, change clothes. Not dirt off your shoulder is so tough,
0: man. Like he's, when I re-listen to that, goodness.
1: Yeah, bro. Like his, and then you got Timberland making beats for you. You got Kanye making beats for you. Like production is crazy. This is definitely number three. Number two for me is got to y'all gonna be like what? Matt Nath Carter is number two for me. I don't know. Bro. Really? Yeah, Matt hmm. Nath Carter number two for me. Okay. And the. Uh, the black album's number one. No, no, no! I'm tripping. Whoa. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. is number one. Blueprint. Black album didn't yeah, matter. Got a go blueprint. Didn't matter.
3: Yes.
0: <clears throat> so many, so many good projects from Jay. Um. Well, Isaiah, bro, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on for the first time, and and we got to do this yeah. again, man.
3: Well, yeah, for sure, man. No vibes, man. Nice to meet you, um, Savon. Hey, nice to meet you too, my boy.
0: Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm host, one that burns. I'm my kind of par say by Morris. This has been full scope. See you later.